The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. I don't remember how Jinx works. It's been too many years. It's uh, Monday and it's 3.38, which means, of course, we're joined in studio by chief economist uh, from ATB right. Financial. Yes, you were. Todd Hirsch. Hey, I don't Todd. get to say that Hi, guys. <laughs> Looking good, sharp, as we expected Wonderful. you to. Well, it's fun to be in the studio with you guys. Well, what do you, you say that down? Well, I was here actually speaking to the uh, Edmonton Downtown Rotary today at lunch, mm. and okay. I'm doing a couple more presentations tomorrow here in Edmonton. So, yeah, back in my hometown. Nice. I forget sometimes that this is your hometown. Hometown boy. All right, so I, I have uh, a grenade to throw in your outhouse here, but we'll get to it in a second. Uh, you want to talk about uh, income levels? Yeah, there was a report out from Statistics Canada last week uh, showing, now this is an annual report, mm-hmm. and unfortunately it's only for 2016. It t- seems to take them a year and a half to do this all, but <laughs> showing average income levels for uh, individuals and for households across the country. And why this one is important, it's different than the average annual, or pardon me, the average uh, weekly earnings report that comes out every month the problem with the earnings report is it's a survey of employers so it asks employers how much are you paying your workers but if you've been laid off and your income has gone to zero you know you fall out of that right okay so it's just current or people who are currently employed. It's helpful, it's And useful. not self-employed? No, uh, not self-employed okay, and wow. not unemployed. Oh, okay, wow. But the average annual income survey, which came out uh, last week for 2016, it shows a more telling reality what happened in Alberta. Average weekly earnings barely fell during the recession, but income, including people that have gone to, you know, zero or maybe drawing employment insurance or, you know, drawing on whatever meager incomes they're able Mm -hmm. to put together, that showed almost a 10% drop over 2015. In Alberta? In Alberta. Okay. We had the steepest, and none of this should be a surprise to anybody, uh, but year over year we had here in Alberta the steepest percentage drop in income levels. Now we were quite high to begin with though, right? Well that's, yeah, the bad news is we had the biggest drop. The good news is even with the biggest drop, we still had the highest incomes in the country. Now that's cold comfort for a lot of Mm -hmm. people whose incomes have gone to zero, but it is still telling that, you know, in fact, people who are working or still working or even those able to put together some income uh, were still above that uh, national average, still the highest in the country. In hmm. What What is the average salary? So, well, this, it's not quite salary, okay. it's income. Income, sorry. So that's drawing from all mm-hmm. kinds of sources. In 2015, the peak year for Alberta, it was $57,000 a year. Now, some listeners might think, actually, that's pretty low. But bear in mind, this includes everybody. So okay. people working part-time hours, mm-hmm. a student, you know, and, or, and it also includes uh, seniors or retirees drawing from a pension. So 57000 in 2015, that fell to 51600 hmm. in 2016. Uh, 16. 
that still stacks up favorably. So it fell almost 10%, still stacks up much better than the national average, yeah. which was about $44,000 here. But you have numbers. to look at uh, purchasing power, though, to see the significance of that drop. In other words, if it's more expensive to live in Alberta than it is to live in Ontario, it's yeah. not really apples and apples that you're comparing. It's not. And, you know, we don't have, there There doesn't exist a good indicator that I know. You and I have talked about yeah. this off the air. I, I wanted you to tell me how I could find that data. There just really isn't one. Certain things, food for sure, restaurant food I know for sure, is more expensive here in Alberta. And anyone who's moved from another province to Alberta and goes grocery shopping, uh, they, they realize pretty quickly. Other things, you know, you look at housing compared mm. to Vancouver or Toronto or, you know, other places in the country even. Uh, or things like gas prices, mm. you know, because we don't have a sales tax. and So there's certain things that are less money here in Alberta. Some things are more. Well, that's where it becomes complicated. I'm, I'm looking at a Huffington Post article from March <laughs> 15th. Um, they were talking about what it would take to be in the top 1% of earners in uh, Canada's major cities. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to be among those 1%. And the most surprising fact was the disparity between Calgary and Edmonton. So we're talking Alberta numbers, but just the difference. To be in the top 1% of Calgary earners, you would have to earn $451,609. Wow. To be among the top 1% in Edmonton, $297,000. To 928. There's a massive disparity there between those two cities. And the other thing was, you mentioned housing, and that's why I bring up the cost of living, which I really wish there was a better way to somehow measure it. Yeah. Uh, the average Calgary home in January of this, so this would, I'm sure, be 2016 data, $434,000. The average home in Windsor, 272. Yeah. So, you know, when you when you compare income levels and go, okay, well, we're better than, say, the automotive worker in Windsor, except yeah. his house costs considerably less than the one we paid for here. Yeah, that's right. And because there's all these different comparisons you can make, income level, housing, really it's... And then you'd also have to say, well, you know... You'd have to live in Windsor, and you may or may not right. live in Windsor. Yeah. And that's where the that's where the what your message actually resonates, because that's where the validity factor comes in. Because you, it's tough to compare cost of living from one city to another or one province to another, but it's easy to compare historical data for a single location. That's right. Yeah. You know, so if you go in Edmonton, this has happened. You're yeah. either up or down, right? And that's what the Consumer Price Index does. It tracks movements and prices in that same location over time. Right. So you can say, well, inflation has been higher or lower in Edmonton, say, for example, than it is in Windsor. And that may be true, but that's not a cost of living between Edmonton right. and Windsor. It's just how have living expenses in Edmonton gone up year over year or you know, over the last 10 years? You know, I'm curious as an economist, there's so many resources available to you from Stats Canada. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to look at? <laughs> well, the the biggest message, and I, I, I do a little session at SAIT actually to the broadcast students about this, the biggest lesson you want with these indicators is you never want to look at any one of them in, in isolation. You want to look at as many as you can to get the big picture of what's going on. Because Sometimes it's tempting just to look at one indicator. Stats Canada releases something and it shows, say, a big drop or a big increase. It's easy to make a big story out of that, but that isn't often the whole story. There's often other things. I suppose it's so, quite easy as well to come to a conclusion and then draw from the resources yeah, that support right. that conclusion. And 
politicians, economists, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we, it's the temptation is to do this all the time. And there is a bias called self-selection in, in data. You know, you have a preconceived notion of what you think is going on, and then you cherry pick the data. It's easy to do. And most of us probably fall, you know, we're guilty of it at, at certain points. I try to look at as many different indicators as I can to try to get the fullest picture. I have to set aside my own bias mm -hmm. as to what I think is going on. But you, there's always that, you know, temptation to do that. So generally speaking, though, the conclusion you've drawn is that our income levels have dropped. That's right. And for years leading up to the recession, Alberta's income was far outpacing, uh, I shouldn't say far, but was outpacing solidly consumer price index. So you could say between 2010 and 2014, on average, not everybody, but on average, Albertans were outpacing inflation, they were actually improving their, their material mm -hmm. well-being. But that did reverse, a ten, almost 10% drop in huh. average uh, incomes in, in 2016. It'll be interesting to see when we get the 2017 numbers. My guess is it will probably have flatlined, maybe a modest increase, but I don't think we're going back up to that record high where we we're at in 2014 for a little <laughs> while. And why do you think that? Simply because jobs are coming back, but slowly, and they tend to be lower paying jobs. So when you look at, this would be a really good indicator or a good example of you don't want to look at just one indicator, because if you only looked at the number of jobs coming back, you could say, well, yeah, there were a lot of jobs in 2017 that came back. And they were, by the way, in the private sector, and they were disproportionately full-time jobs, but they're not in the energy sector. Mm. So wages are lower on average. Uh, still 7% or so unemployment in, in uh, Alberta. So there's still a lot of people that are dealing with no income or mm -hmm. they're drawing on whatever EI they have left. So you, you know, even though the economy is gradually turning around and I've, I've that's been my message we have to understand there are still a lot of people who aren't seeing that individually yet and you've and you've talked about too like especially with the energy sector jobs that are coming back the the salary the aren't as high no. as they were like this this gave probably employers an opportunity and uh, an opportunity and a mandate to reduce costs yeah uh, because the, the the reality of it is and it's kind of awkward to talk about this sometimes but the people I know in the energy sector they all tell me there was a recognition that there was over hiring and overpaying uh -huh. going on and back in 2014 when oil was at a hundred dollars a barrel and you can see how that is easy that's that happens actually quite easily because there's a lot of money sloshing around you need the projects to get going bring on more people, pay them, mm -hmm. you know, what it takes to bring them on, uh, give them every second Friday off. Mm -hmm. But that was all a bit of a mirage propped up with oil prices at 100. And then the very painful rebalancing through the recession. Now we've come out of it. Energy prices in Alberta are not great. You know, that West Texas price yeah. that we hear quoted, that's not what we receive. The Western Canadian price has not really seen the same bounce up uh, because of pipeline constraints and, and some other things. So the, the price environment in Alberta is, is only okay, but we're certainly not, we're seeing much stricter discipline on cost control. From an economic perspective, that's kind of what you'd like to see, you know, but we are seeing it. But the painful result is jobs in the energy sector are coming back only very gradually, and they're paying less. So do you think, and I'm just curious. How about this? About, how, about this? Yeah. how about we take a break right oh, now sure. and, and do that? Because we're oh, going to be up, the, uh, up the against the yeah, clock okay. otherwise. All right, we'll take a break. More with Todd Hirsch right after this.
is uh, Monday at uh, the 3.30 half hour. So Todd Hirsch joins us with an edition of The Hoot. There you go. I missed my cue there. You did. Well, so did Todd. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask before we ran out of time. You were talking about income levels and specifically with regard to the uh, oil industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned, and I know I've heard those stories as well, that people overpaid. The employers competed for individuals. Therefore, uh, income levels were inflated unnaturally. Do you think that that's what is the sole cause of that or uh, and the fact that those have not recovered those levels? Or do you think that senior people who had earned higher incomes over the years were laid off during that period and are being replaced by individuals who cost much less money? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> one, one that, I mean, I don't work in the energy sector, so I'm probably in, uh, not really qualified to, to answer. But I do know, when you look at downtown Calgary, one in four of those workers is gone. So mm. those were not the the, the rig guys and mm-hmm. gals. These were like the suits. These were the, the directors and the project managers and the engineers and the geologists. And a lot of really high people, highly paid people were eliminated. From what I understand, you know, you get rid of a quarter of those, but they're still producing the same that they were prior to right. the Right, yeah. So you only need so many project managers. And that was the harsh reality. And I really hope none of the listeners, you know, take me as as being flippant with this because we're talking about people's Uh lives here and their jobs and their careers and it's not great when obviously when people when people lose that but there was a reckoning in you know at least in the energy sector in, in calgary that we had hired too many of these people that we don't need them all with the oil sands a lot of those new projects that were being planned and they were in engineering stages and they were nowhere close to even starting but they were in the planning stages uh with oil prices where they're at those projects are all off the drawing board. right so you don't need all the geologists and engineers who previously were working on right so you've got right. two major factors yeah. happening there that would affect employment and income level for sure yeah. have you got your eye on the budget for thursday at all the provincial uh-huh. budget uh I have not really done too much on it, simply because of my position with ATB. Mm -hmm. Uh, I try to actually kind of hang low. Uh, I work for a Crown Corporation, so uh, the the government's budget, I'll be interested in watching it, but uh, I don't get involved too much in it. What about the Canadian dollar right now, as uh, those of us who still travel down to the States? Yeah, it's kind of getting hammered. (laughs) Kind of. My guess is it really has more to do with NAFTA than anything else, because we haven't seen much movement in commodity prices lately. Uh, NAFTA is not going particularly well. The other factor, I think, is the U.S. Federal Reserve is almost certain to raise interest rates this week. The Bank of Canada, on the other hand, is sounding much more cautious. So I think investors are realizing interest rates in the U.S. are probably going to outpace them here in Canada. Mm. That's great news if you're a borrower here in Mm -hmm. Canada. Uh, But it it has been putting some downward pressure on the Canadian dollar for sure. It was interesting yesterday, too. Was it yesterday this morning reading something about how the um, the uh, the British pound was was having you know amazing numbers because of word that that uh, deal had been finally reached on on the Brexit strategy right yeah on the exit so hmm, but yeah really? just yeah neat how well it what, is what affects and what doesn't affect well it's interesting these days I'm sure you'd agree Todd because uh, you are an employee of a Crown Corporation but it's a Canadian or an Alberta Crown Corporation it's interesting how a single tweet. I've never seen this before in my lifetime, where a single tweet can affect an industry and almost immediately. And uh, President Trump tweeting about aluminum and steel mm. a couple of weeks ago had a, 
a noticeable and direct impact on yeah. shares. Yeah. And, you know, now he's said there's a temporary hold on that or he's putting off any kind of tariffs. Uh, but tariffs is a tricky business, right? I mean... It's very tricky. And then negotiating uh, between mm-hmm. Canada and the U.S. right now, I think what makes it particularly challenging for these negotiators is that, love him or hate him, Donald Trump is a very interesting management style. And that mm-hmm. is just to say, you know, tweet out a bunch of crazy things, contradictory messages, which is very off-putting, I would, I would think, to our negotiating team. Mm-hmm. How do you negotiate with your, your um, negotiating mm-hmm. uh, opponent when the position always seems to be changing mm-hmm. and who knows what he's going to tweet out next. Yeah. I can't I can't decide if this is an ingenious strategy <laughs> on Trump's part. Yeah, nor can I. And I know yeah. you're not being facetious yeah, I'm not. here. It's like throws I, I everything at the wall and see it, it's, it's an stick. interesting style and yeah. I suspect that it's his has been his negotiating style long before social media yeah. that he kind of shoots uh, across the bow to let you know what he could do right. with the hopes that you'll come to a conclusion or an agreement quickly. And sends confusing messages, yeah. you know, on any given day. Very unpredictable, like, yeah. Oh, Canada's off the hook, but then no, the next tweet we're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really difficult. I don't know. I'm not a professional negotiator, but our Canadian negotiating team at the NAFTA talks, I don't know how they manage this. Yeah, yeah no, nor do I. All right, well, another edition of The Hoot. Thanks very you much. missed it again. I did. Another I thought Todd d- might leap on there. <laughs> <laughs> Another edition of The Hoot in the books. Todd, thanks for joining us in studio. Thanks. Always fun. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.